Hey, welcome back to Mountain Murders. I'm Heather. And I'm Dylan. And we're ready to get into some true crime. We're about to dig all up in it. <laughs> oh, yeah? Like our names are Bennett. Well, sometimes oh, we like to put out kind of a mini episode. It's our no, it's our mini sodes. Okay. We've already discussed this. All right. It's Mount Murder Mini So, guys. Yeah, so this is going to be a shorter podcast. And I know I like to have those kind of mixed in. I like the hour, hour and a half shows, but I also like to get those little thirty minute hey, or so quick. They're good for like the gym or driving in the car. Right, a busy life. Yeah. Yeah, you exactly. can get a little quick little story in. Enjoy yourself and be done. And sometimes we like to tackle those cold cases. This show is going to be about some unsolved cases in West Virginia. Yeah, we had our Unsolved Asheville, which if you guys haven't listened, you should go back and check out. Yeah, that Very was a really popular, popular. Our most popular episode ever, according to downloads. And um, We so tackled now, about four different cases yeah, it was in three the or Unsolved four. Asheville. Yeah. Exactly. So with Unsolved West Virginia, we're probably going to put out like a couple of these Unsolved West Virginia, I don't know anything Unsolved about areas, them. but these are two stories from West Virginia, so this won't be the end of it. There's lots of cold cases there, but these are two that I found particularly interesting. Are you ready? Let's I am. Let's get into this. Our first case isn't that old. It happened in 2007. Okay. You know, sometimes we take it way back. And so 2007, that's not that long ago. No, that's pretty recent. Yeah, my son was born in 2007, so that's what, just 12 years ago? Yeah, that's about... I mean, I remember 2007, fashion was tragic. These were years when people were not dressing well. Music sucked. Yeah. The early to mid-2000s was rough. I feel like this was a funky period. Yeah, like 2000 to 2010s rough. Yeah. Honestly. It It was just like a little skanky or something. Yeah, yeah, the this late two thousand. Like, this is like Britney skanky. Spears shaving her head and shit. Well, yeah, like, but but at the same time, this is like, like the days of Paris Hilton. But everybody went to Sears to get their shit. You know, it's like so weird. Yeah, it's you know? weird. JC Penny up this bitch. <laughs> be like, I just want to go to the bathroom. I don't want to walk through your entire store. Right. Okay. okay. I don't know what that means. But Leah Hickman was a twenty-one-year-old broadcast journalism student at Marshall University. <laughs> she lived in an apartment located on the four hundred block of Eighth Avenue in Huntington, West Virginia. On December 14th, 2007, her half-sister and roommate, Jessica Vickers, last saw her at the apartment. Leah had gotten on her MySpace page. That's how way back we taken it. Remember MySpace? Ma, I wish it was here now, because damn it. Damn Facebook. Well, remember, there were so many fun features about MySpace. Dude, your like music, your you background. You could play music, all the that shit. You controlled everything. These little glittery graphics. It was literally and your stuff. space. You could have like a top eight. Yeah. Top four, top and eight. And people click on your page, your music starts playing. Did you have some gangster like type of, would you, what was you playing? No, I might have some like that new rock shit. What was on new your, wave rock. What was on your MySpace? Maybe some Papa Roach. Oh, God, really? Maybe. Back in 2007? Maybe. That or some juvenile or something. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, so see, that's how dark those times were. I feel very disappointed. In oh, uh, cut my life into pieces. Oh, God. Yeah, I think I had like some block party or like yeah, yeah, yeahs or some indie. Okay. Alternative oh, you're going to be cool. Dance. Name Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That kind of is that still sucked too because 2000 sucked. Whatever. That's great music. So Leah got on her MySpace page. She called up a friend, said she was going to go to McDonald's, grab some dinner, but that was the last time that anyone heard from Leah. Oh God. So Vickers, her stepsister, half sister, sorry, came home 
to the apartment the next day, and she found the McDonald's, like, trash, found a receipt, but there was no sign of Leah. Leah's phone, her keys, purse, and her car were all still at the apartment. No sign of her sister. So, of course, Vickers is getting a little concerned. I would be freaked out, personally, if that was my loved one. She was also working at the Barberville Dress Barn, the women's kind of casual women's clothing store. Okay, the dress barn. Nice. And she didn't show up for her shift at the dress barn. And this was unlike her. I mean, she was the kind of girl that she went to class. She... Dependable. Was, you know, going to work. Handling her business. Would arrive on time. I mean, she didn't just skip out. Plus, you know, she left her phone, her keys, money, everything. Well, that right there is a, that's a, I mean, come on, nobody goes without that stuff. So by the 16th, which would have been about two days later, the police began canvassing the neighborhood. A missing person report was filed, and searchers were investigating some empty houses that were on the street. They were interviewing, like, sex offenders that lived in the, you know, kind of radius of the Man, apartment building. Have you ever Googled that shit? Yes, it's scary. And when, like, fucking, like, 36 red dots point pop up within, like, 10.6 miles of you? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I lived in a house, and this would have been probably, like, 2013, and did a search, and there were two sex offenders living within, like, one guy's house was directly behind mine, Fuck. and another guy was living, like, two houses down. Oh, my God. And I was just like, what am I? I'm like, the pedophile? Yeah. It was, like, both statutory rape, I guess, convictions or whatever. Yeah. Indecent liberties with a minor or something a, like that. But hey, I was just hey, like, ah! Hey, look, if you were straddling that gray line there, and I know, you know, some people got caught up in, you know, the wording of certain laws, but... No, I just felt like I was in, like, a yeah. pervy neighborhood. And it just gave me the creeps. Yeah, you see, there's so many of them. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I don't like that. No, I'll hit a sex offender in the face. <laughs> Good. Cops are interviewing these sex offenders. People were really worried in this community. The dress barn even announced a $10,000 reward for information. Wow. In the case, you know, help find Leah. That's, and that's a small town, small business, even though it's the dress barn chain. You know what I mean? And they're putting up to, because that, that's, that's how big a deal it is, this community. Well, a week later... Her body is discovered December 21st, 2007, in a crawl space located beneath her apartment. Her apartment? Leah had been strangled, but there were no signs of sexual assault. The space was connected to a laundry room, which was like a common area. So, I mean, I guess if you imagine that this is like a few floors, and the laundry room is kind of like in the basement area. On the bottom, yeah, right. Common area. Yeah. And this crawl space was located just like behind the laundry room and from what i understand the laundry room didn't have any kind of secured door the way the crawl space was laid out is that the body was kind of out of sight but i guess if you went like really looking you could kind of see back into this crawl space right. but if you weren't really looking right it was a know, crawl space it was like out nobody of sight, hangs out, out in a crawl, fucking well, crawl yeah space. right police noted there were several ways to access that crawl space Now, the apartment was actually just four apartments, and only two were occupied at the time of Leah's murder. Um, One was occupied by the two sisters, and the other was occupied by a man, but he happened to be out of town and had a solid alibi for the time of this murder. Thank God, if if you're that guy, right? I'm glad I wasn't up there. I'm not opening this bitch. No suspects were found in this murder, but in 2014, now this is odd, someone spray-painted who killed Leah Hickman on the apartment building? Fuck. 
There was a small amount of DNA at the scene, but so far testing has not turned up a suspect. I wonder what, wonder what it was. What do you think it was? I don't know. Do you I... think it was a small amount of blood, a tiny amount of fluid? Yeah, body fluid or yeah, well, I'm not sure because she hadn't been sexually assaulted, yeah. but they just said that, you know, whatever the DNA was, they've tested it, can't find a suspect, so obviously it's not someone who's been in the system. There you go. But it's an unsolved case. And you, you know what's incredible, incredible about the forensic sciences is they keep advancing and they can go back and go back so many times and take this old, you know, evidence that some... Hard-nosed cops always hung on to. You know, you, you ever hear these cases where they're, they want to throw it all out after a big case? They want to throw all the evidence and box, and these cops on their own time and, you know, dime and everything, take this stuff and literally have it in their garage or in their closet, keeping this evidence. Or rent a storage building a storage and, like, hang on to, to get, old yeah. evidence for ca- yeah. cold cases. In this one case, I saw that um, this one guy put down a, a little organization together of cops who they had, like, a central hub where you could come bring all the, your, your old case files. And then, lo and behold, you know, uh, forensic sciences keep advancing, and they can go back and look at this stuff in different ways and prove all kinds of stuff. And that's incredible dedication to your job. Well, and I don't know the legality of these, like, DNA testing kits, like the 23andMe. Not as, I don't know about the accuracy either, well, honestly. Well, because, you know, like, the Golden State Killer, I mean, that was a huge case that was pretty much busted wide open because of one of those DNA test kits. Yeah, and that guy was a monster. Being able to track down through a distant relative. That guy was a monster DNA for profile. years and years. So I don't know the legality of submitting your DNA to one of those companies. Well, I'm not going to fucking do it. That's my legality. To find out your ancestry. Yeah. But it just seems like with the advances and then now people are so damn... <laughs> happy to give over their DNA okay, to the government, the that I just wonder, like, what is the legality of that? You know, are investigators, detectives, are we able to access that database for criminal no, what you're describing you know, reasons is, for yeah. evidence? Or is it just, These, like, in certain cases, maybe they can get a... No, what it's Big Brother, and it's no different than a corporation running cattle through a chute and tagging every single one of them, okay? That's what you're doing, is for when the corporations become self-aware and all controlling and they want to fucking just herd us into the FEMA camps. I, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Alex Jones on ya. Or that wasn't even who the fuck was that? Mm, yeah, I reckon he didn't mind what she has done to him. I feel like Go on Carl, not now. You are sassy and I okay. feel is this you're a little I feel like you're wired tonight. I am. Like you've been a little manic. Like earlier well, I was crazy. super chilled out. Yeah. I had done some yoga. Yes. Yoga, we were going, going yoga for sciatic nerve pain. Namaste. I was feeling very relaxed. And we took a walk. I had a relaxed day. We took a nice walk. It's it's brisk out. Um, it's you know you can tell falls in the air. It's not quite chilly yet, but I was able to wear a light jacket on our walk. It was nice. It was perfect, perfect. And but I talked I'm a lot. So chill. And you were like wired. I am. And I was just like, "Are you manic? Like, <clears throat> no, I'm, I'm not. Slap you. I'm, I'm you meal kept wired. Interrupting me, and I couldn't finish sentences, and you were all over the place. And just I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I apologize. I was, like, wanted to shake you. Yeah. I finally was just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Yeah, basically, you were like, we're going to be quiet while we'll walk through this graveyard. Yeah, we walked through a graveyard, and I was like, you have to be quiet and just absorb. 
the energy. Yeah, and then, I know. And then you mellowed a little bit. Yeah. And that was, it was good. A great energy but there at the graveyard. you sassy tonight, Dylan. Yeah, well, I'm telling you, it's crazy. When I told you it was crazy at the meal right now, girl. I know. You've, you've had some stress at work. No, well, it's not even stress. It's just when, you know, things, when it goes down down there, it's weird and crazy and like, you know. Well, I know, but yeah. then you've been working a lot of overtime. I mean, you've just been stressed because you've been putting in a lot of hours. Well, yeah. You've been working these crazy shifts, filling in for people on vacation. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Work 12 so. hours, come home for three and go work 12 or 16 more. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. And right. that's why I am a little um, sleep deprived. He is. So he's a little wild tonight. And, yeah. But um, I'm here with you. I told her, I was like, let's record this shit anyway, because I think the people should hear me right now. Oh, yeah. He's ready to be heard. Okay. <laughs> let's do this. So that was our first case. Our second case that we're going to get into, we are going to travel a little bit back in time. Okay, let's get in, guys. A little let's... before I was born, but you were born in the 70s because you're old, so I'm just kidding. 78. <laughs> so this case takes us back to 1976. Oh, my God. Roberta Elam was a 26-year-old. She was the oldest of four children and a native of Minnesota. I can't do the accent. I can't do it. Uh, yeah, let's just not. I used to have this really good friend from Minnesota. His name was Joe, and I loved the way he like would say O's. Like, okay. from, like, Minnesota. Okay, so it's kind of, okay. Minnesota, it was cute. While earning her master's degree at Fordham University, I mean, hey, that's nothing to sneeze at, right? She became friends with a fellow student who was a nun. She had lived in Illinois and New Jersey before moving to Wheeling, West Virginia, and the influence of her friend who was a nun, she grew up in a very, you know, um, religious household, Roman Catholic, you know, she felt her calling was to be a nun as well. Okay. In the Roman Catholic Church. Such a true believer. And while she was earning the master's degree, I believe it was in some sort of like religious education programs, that kind of thing. So she wants to be a nun. She decides to move to West Virginia. While preparing to be a nun, she decides to go to Mount St. Joseph's, which is like a convent, but also kind of a like a teaching center okay and they run like so it's kind of like a nun's version of a seminary mixed with a convent i'm probably butchering this guys sorry yeah i mean my understanding is that it's like like a convent of nuns they offer sort of these educational programs but they're kind of like meditational stays like if you're a young nun or you're just you know you're about to take your vows to be a nun you would go there for a period and meditate. Oh, kind of cleanse and your, reflect, get ready. Okay. And pray make and sure decide. Make sure what you want. Yes. Okay. Make sure, while you're around other nuns, like, a, you know, this convent of, of other sisters. Okay. And they also ran kind of a center for aging nuns. Sound like nuns get a lot of damn perks. So kind of like a convalescent, you know, home retirement kind of. Yeah. So, you know, the nuns are caring for older nuns, aging nuns, maybe in poor health. Maybe nuns with one arm. Well, it's like a really peaceful, you know, kind right. of area. So, Roberta had taken a walk over to this area where there was a view of a golf course. And at the time, this um, Mount St. Joseph's was fairly rural. You had the convent, and then there was kind of like a golf course area, but it wasn't very developed yet. Right. So, it still was, was pretty rural and secluded. Well, she goes over to this, you know, nice area. There's this beautiful view of this golf course. You know, she's she's praying. She's meditating. Around mid-morning, maybe about 10.30 a.m., she stops by the kitchen for a snack. 
from what I understand, she gets an apple. It's the last time she would be seen alive. And this was June 13th, 1977. So she's been living in Virginia about a year. You know, she's getting closer to taking those vows. She decides she's going to go do this meditation. Well, that's a big decision. She's hanging out. And for someone who's very, you know what I mean? I grabs mean, a snack. She's going to then take a walk and go do some more meditation. You know, because she's, she's got to think about this. Her life as a nun, you know, that's, there's a lot of responsibility that goes along with that. And you're, you know, making a lot of sacrifices. You're giving up all that other good stuff. People called her Sister Robin, by the way, even though her name was Roberta. That was her nickname. And she had spent the previous year, as I mentioned, she'd been in West Virginia for about a year. She'd been working in this adult religious programs as a coordinator for the Diocese of Wheeling, Charleston area, kind of throughout the state of West Virginia. So she was kind of going around, you know, teaching these kind of adult religious programs. I mean, kind of like a Sunday school or something almost. Okay. Kind of doing her uh, outreach, you know, in these rural communities, trying to bring people into the Catholic Church, that kind of thing. Do- indoctrinating the people's yeah. children like a good church. So she's out meditating. I just thought I'd throw that in there, let you have a little background about her. Well, the bench where she was likely sitting, doing her meditation, was knocked over. She had been dragged by her throat, raped, and then strangled to death, basically just being left there to die. Oh, God. There was a groundskeeper that found her body partially clothed about three hours after the crime was committed. So they determined, you know, and of course, medical exams back in the 70s were not like they are today. Yeah, I mean, they're now heavily they can visual definitely pinpoint and today, of, yeah, you know, hey, right. this person probably died at 9.37 a.m. Well, that's not to say <laughs> back then they didn't have very talented, you know, medical examiners and people that were very, very good. Well, they determined that from what the evidence suggested that she'd been killed pretty quickly after that 10.30 a.m., like when she'd stopped by, grabbed a snack, went back out to meditate. I bet it was the food, bro. Someone grabbed... In their stomach. Yeah, they they could tell how long it digested. Someone, you know, had obviously committed this crime within a short period. She had these bruises on her neck, on her legs. They think she, you know, maybe had been discovered about three hours after. This is like early afternoon that he finds her body. What the hell? Her clothes were dirty because she had been dragged on the ground. And the weird thing is the murder took place less than 100 yards from the sister's retreat house. And just adjacent to the Mount St. Joseph mother house. Because she was staying in like the retreat house where other women would come stay for the meditation and for the... Right. Kind of the Support each other kind of and stuff. all that. Yeah. And then the mother house was where the actual like sisters who oh, lived... Oh, mother the, superior? Like where That's they... all I know. Were the sisters who lived in the convent. It was like actually their house. Oh, it's a habit. From what I understand, you know? Yeah. Investigators were trying to find links between the rape and murder... And there was a series of rapes and murders in Washington County, Pennsylvania. So they were trying to link these together because they thought there could possibly be this serial rapist slash serial killer who was in the area because there were these four other women who were murdered in Pennsylvania, which I guess Washington County was not that far away. I mean, it was within, I think, enough distance. It was close enough that they thought this could possibly be this same person driving yeah, probably through this. 35, 50, 60 miles apart, maybe, you know, right. or less. But the knows? thing is, the area was really secluded. So the thought that the serial rapist and murderer in Pennsylvania would just randomly drive 
to okay. this area in West Virginia. So that has to be a local? I mean, they were just I mean, like, that... well, they were trying to find the links to this killer. They couldn't. Then they start to kind of, you know, I guess, sort of dissolve that theory because they're like, well, it's a really secluded area. It's not the kind of place that someone's randomly, randomly probably just going right. to go. It's not right off the road. It's kind of out. Yeah. I mean, right. people know there's like a convent of nuns and a golf course, and that's pretty much it, like out in this area. And it was so secluded that there wasn't really a chance for anyone to hear the screams or cries for help because it was so secluded, yet it was only a hundred yards away from these houses where the nuns were staying. Yeah, but nuns would probably be quiet, you know what I'm saying? They probably ain't even allowed to open the windows and shit. They're all up in the house, you know, meditating and chanting and stuff. Right. So they well, ain't hear nothing. well with it being that quiet, don't you think if someone was screaming that they would hear that? God won't let them open the windows. People, let's pray to get God to change his okay, mind Okay, just that. stop. <laughs> I'm, just, uh, okay. I'm sorry. I love I love nuns. He is mill. They ain't open the fucking window, I'm telling he you. He's mill crazy. They want it to be stuffy. Okay, baby. Well, of the interviews conducted, police talked to a drifter who was trying to hop a train, I guess, in the area. Okay. And you reckon they saw him like phys- actually trying to do it and like, hey, hey, buddy. Well, I mean, I guess they knew he was in the area and he was trying to hop a train. I don't know. God, you're so literal. Members of a Georgia-based salvage crew were also working in that area on some telephone poles, telephone lines. Okay. They were investigated. Now, there was a sketch that was released of a man in his 30s. He was white. He had dark, dirty hair. I guess it looked greasy or something. Yeah, I've seen some bugs in his hair. Brushy eyebrows. <laughs> he had a mustache. Damn, dude, get a brush. They saw him in the area. They said he was driving maybe a rusty gray or faded blue Buick. And it was seen somewhere near this compound, witnesses so, would later say. He's dirty blonde hair guy with the rusty gray Buick. I guess. What the hell? He sounds totally gnarly. Over the years, law enforcement had hoped that DNA technology would help aid in the case. So far, they have ruled out 23 suspects because, again, they talked to the stripter, they talked to the salvage crew, you know, they talked to the nuns, the caretaker, but they've made no arrests in this case. That's crazy. So it remains unsolved. Well, I mean, we talk about a lot of, you know, true crime and murders. They're each vicious and brutal and horrible in their own way but who would kill a nun yeah i mean i'm not particular you know i'm not i'm not religious well, we're not but i still religious. would i'm i'm a, it's just like but even I respect, if you're not catholic like this the nun like transcends all that stuff like as a symbol of right. caretaking and resolution well they're just, essentially you know married to god and they're yeah. they're like an extension of and they dedicate them live their whole life to that i mean they're an extension of this, you know, right? I don't know, deity yeah. or whatever. I don't you know, know either. This religion, yeah. So it's just oh, to, it's like to killing a, kill a nun, a priest with the collar, you know, the white collar on. Like, even if I was a super badass dude, even super badass dudes don't want to kill a priest or a nun. You know what I mean? Well, Maybe it just it's just symbolic. Makes it more fucked up. Yeah, in some way. It seems for me, way. for someone that clean. Right. Living. She's a nun. She's out of this compound. You know that it's a retreat for nuns. They've done nothing but help people. I yeah. mean, and, and to just find her and she's obviously praying, meditating, and you just walk up and grab her and... That's insane. Rape and kill a nun. That just takes, I think, an extra special kind of... Well, maybe karma got that person. Brutal person. Even though it's unsolved. Uh, maybe karma really served it up to that piece of shit. 
Yeah, it's definitely one of the like top unsolved cases in West Virginia. I guess so. Probably one of the most famous, you know. And it was cases. right during the middle of the day. Yeah. Right in, there, in, a football length, field length from the main houses. Right. So that's and you know no witnesses. But that goes to show you, three hundred foot in the country is quite a bit different than three hundred foot in the city. Am it's I true. right? Yeah. Could have knolls and ridges or or anything, trees, a thicket. Yeah. As we call it around here, you know, wild roses up above your head for fifty feet. A brush, a blind. Yeah, that can that really can't... that can really throw sound down. It's true. Because of all the you know, yeah. Well, those were two of the unsolved cases in West Virginia. You just thought we would touch on those and uh, tell you about them. The more we dig around in West Virginia, it seems like a really cool place. A little cool state with a really a lot of history. I've heard it's beautiful. A lot of old history from the very beginning, just like every other state in this area well it is wild and wonderful yeah but um yeah <laughs> i've been through some parts of west virginia i've been through harper's ferry yeah and i've been up through like martinsville yeah i'd like to go up through there it's kind of the area that's outside or closest to washington dc because i've driven up to like philadelphia and up to pennsylvania oh now she's so, just name dropping so i've driven through parts of west virginia okay um kind of in and around the dc area when i lived there you know i've seen some of it and Probably not the pretty part because it wasn't like I was in a area with like a lot of mountains and right like you the whole country. Is there a mount? Yeah, right. Where the Appalachians actually run through West Virginia. Yeah. Okay. So I've not been to that part, but I've been. So you're on the flat West Virginia. Yeah, it was kind of flat. Oh, was that and like flat Kentucky? Kinda. I love Kentucky. There's a lot of horses. Well, I'll say it's I so felt flat. I felt, and I'm not making fun because trust me, where we're from is is not like some great place but i i was with my cousin and we were driving up to philadelphia i was actually driving up there because my son was at summer camp right for like a week and i had to go pick him up so we drove up to pick zane up and we get you know we get we're seeing signs like west virginia whatever and and my cousin's like oh you know i've never been here so he's kind of excited so we cross the state lines and there's the big sign that's like, welcome to like wild and wonderful West Virginia. Oh, yeah. And then immediately past that was like these two trailers, like single wides trailers that were, God, probably from the 60s. No. Those like super old school ones. Yeah. You know the one I'm talking about? Like the rounded ends. And yeah. Shit and like, like that. the windows that like yeah. you had to crank. Oh, yeah. And there were like seven or eight of those yeah, glass like, panels yeah. that come and out. No air comes to those. No. And they were like, Faded, faded, like mint green yeah, and, and yellow. Yeah, mustard yellow. And yes. And white, but it's not white anymore. I mean, they were just right, like. I know exactly what you're talking these about. Old, well, I know because I'm like, hell, I, you know, I, I grew, grew up knowing people who lived in them trailers. Yeah, but <laughs> that was that was Jim down in Lot B. Yeah, exactly. But uh, so we cross in, we see this big sign. And, and then these And then trailers. we see these two trailers. And then just past the two gnarly trailers was like this big ass Confederate flag. Ah, like I'm not talking like oh just a flag, but like one of them big ones, right? Like the hundred by hundred, laughing in the wind. Yeah, and my cousin and I just look at each other and we start laughing, and he's like, "Well, I feel at home," (laughs) and I was like, "Well," because again, it was it's not much different from what we see around here, right? And uh, it was just kind of funny because it was like everything I could imagine West Virginia would be. It was all right there in a quarter mile. Yeah, totally. It's like if you can't handle. What you've just seen, you probably should just leave. Yeah. Leave West Virginia. <laughs> but I thought that was kind of cute because it's like, eh, it really isn't much different from where we live. No. 
this no. region is uh it, no. for for as uh, much as you get away and things are different things really are the same man and we went when we went when we went to get zane in cincinnati right the one time we drove up through kentucky ended up in what was it pineville kentucky pikeville pikeville yeah and that was i was just like this is such a cool seeming little town i bet it was awesome to walk in walk around in you know but i'm just like where do these people work where does everybody work yeah, Cause there was like little, literally little nothing every anywhere, not even off the main road. Like usually you have a little bit of industry or, you know, an exit with this and that on it. Nope. Nothing but sheer rock faces cut right through the weirdest sedimentary rock right. shit I've ever seen. They would just cut straight through whole exits off the interstate through the rocks. Well, it's much like how they butchered the roads around here. I mean, if you take I-40 and you go through the gorge, as we call it, oh. which is the I-40 section between north carolina into tennessee yep, which is the like main vein haywood county north carolina where we live yep. now into um like newport yep. tennessee that um, stretch of road i mean they have cut through a mountain and there's rock slides constantly they shut down the highway i mean it's it's chaos. not a matter they, they all they can do is they know it's going to slide it's just when and when it does they see how fast they can clean it up and do it again yeah and that was cut through there, what, in the 40s or something? Yeah, probably around that. So could I mean, you imagine part that? Part of the New Deal, you know, the TBA. Yeah. And, and it was all such that. big work, they would never finance opening that up and doing anything major differently. Because could you imagine back then them cutting that through that gorge by basically hand? Yeah. And a little bit of equipment? And it's so narrow through there, isn't it? It's yeah. a very dangerous chunk of 40. And it's the main vein out of the south and, you know, into the Midwest and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I forty the main vein. cuts across the entire United States. Yeah, you can drive from coast to coast on forty. Yeah, and uh, all the time, both lanes right there is shut the fuck down. Yeah, it seems <laughs> like there's always some kind of rock slide in that area. But that, yeah, that's the thing with living in Appalachia. I mean, a lot of people have their ideas of what it's like here, and you know, we live here, and a lot of our listeners live in this area. Yeah, and. It can be rural. It can be cruel. Yeah, <laughs> you know? but it's I mean, beautiful. It's a harsh landscape. Right. And you got to think about, you know, well, how are they going to build a highway? They're going to have to cut through. That's why the roads are narrow around They're going to have to cut through right. rock and slate and all of that to get anywhere. But, yeah, it can be inconvenient when you really think about the bigger picture. It's like, well, what, what else are they going to do? It has yeah, to be done. But then you come out on an early summer morning and the fog's hanging on the mountaintops and you watch the sun come up and you know... That you just witnessed a scene all around you and all its glory that, you know, it's just so picturesque. It's like, you know, it's not even real. Well, we were out on our walk tonight and we... I got some pictures. We were near the library. I had to return a book. So as we were going our like 3.4 mile walk well, can or you whatever. Tell me how excited we are to live in town? Yeah. So we walked to the library. I returned this book and we sat down on this little bench because you were like, hey, just sit down with me a minute. Yeah. And you were like, just taking it in and then you kind of looked at me and you were like do you know how much money people pay to experience this this little scene or to we got. move here and yeah. like feel this it's so quiet and peaceful and just a beautiful Perfect little weather small town road yeah mountains quiet not a co- nothing around. inside yes i mean and the stars and we take it for granted sometimes all the time but we really live in a beautiful place we do so whether you're in north carolina you're in tennessee kentucky or west, west virginia, virginia virginia or georgia or any of it. Yeah. I feel like if you... It's a beautiful place up through here. ...are living in Appalachia, you're pretty damn lucky. You are. Because it's beautiful. 
So keep living in Appalachia or wherever <laughs> the hell you live out in the world. We love you all. And um, check us out on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, iTunes. I've seen a few people listening there. Or not, I always call it iHeartRadio. Yeah. I always call it iTunes. I apologize. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Google so Play. Google anywhere. Spreaker, CastBox. Anywhere you get your podcast. Yeah. And if you could, it helps us out tremendously. If you'll hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star review if you like it. And um, that is uh, one of the best things that spreads the work for us. Exactly. And you can find us, of course, on Facebook, Mountain Murders. You can find us on Instagram uh, under Mountain you... Murders Podcast. We're on Twitter under Mountain Murders as well. That's our username. And we're on Patreon. So if you want to head over to Patreon and check out Mountain Murders Podcast, you can sign up and get extra bonus material.